Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. The Bulldogs can add another cup to their trophy case. Hamilton Hospital's offering real-time updates directly from the OR. There's a new and cheap service that Hamilton commuters can take advantage of. The largest living wage employer in Ontario is just down the highway. What should Hamilton's energy and emissions plan look like? And we're joined by Canadian race car driver Robert Wickens. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Huge night tonight in St. John, New Brunswick, as the Hamilton Bulldogs and the St. John Sea Dogs kick off the Memorial Cup final. Hours from now, who's going to win? We don't know. This is why we love sports. It's the ultimate reality TV, and a team from Hamilton could make more history tonight. The head coach of that team is Jay McKee, head coach of the Hamilton Bulldogs, who joins us again on Good Morning Hamilton. Jay, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Rick. Finals tonight, hours away from puck drop. What are some of the emotions that are going through your body? Is there excitement, anxiousness, jitters, butterflies, all of the above? <laughs> No, it's all excitement. Uh, we have a confident group here. I uh, love the way they've been playing and getting better uh, with each game. They've done a, uh, a lot of special things over the course of the year, and uh, it's a great opportunity in front of us. So uh, no jitters, no anxiousness, just all excitement, and uh, these guys are prepared and ready to go. Was that the same feeling you got when you were playing in the NHL? Uh, it, it was different as a player. As a player, you know, you go out, you focus on – you know everything you can do uh, to help make the team win. Uh, you can't worry about you know what your line mate does. You just have to trust them. Uh, as a coach, you know you put a lot more time, obviously, into the preparation to get the players prepared. You know hours and hours and hours of video, uh, not only on your own team, uh, helping make corrections, showing the guys what they did well. Um, you know, building, you know, ingraining the systems in them over the course of the year, but. You know, you have, you have 20 players to make sure they're prepared, not just yourself. Um, you know, and, and it's breaking down the other team's video as well as yours. So there's, there's a lot more input into it um, <clears throat> as opposed to just focusing solely on what you can do to make your team better and help your team win. Um, so I, I think as a coach, you're, you're, you're much more prepared than all the players because you have to, you know, ingrain that into them. But it's different, but at the same time, uh, we're a family, we're a team, we care about each other, we, the kids go out and fight for each other, so, you know, we're all we're all one here. The next game always seems to be the biggest game of the season. This is the last game of the season, no matter what, being the Memorial Cup Championship <clears throat> Final. Do you do anything different as a coach in terms of getting the team ready? Have you done anything different for other big games this season? No, I, you know, I think as a coach, you put a little more thought and time into your pregame speech and how you want to motivate them and the things you want to say. Um, preparation with the pregame skate and the video and all those things, we, we like to keep it pretty routine and, and uh, you know, not deviate from what's given us success over the majority of the season. Uh, it's just the main thing is, is, is really thinking about uh, how you want to get them prepared right before they go out and how you want to motivate them. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Jay McKee, the head coach of the Hamilton Bulldogs. They square off against the host St. John Sea Dogs tonight in the Memorial Cup Final. Game one of the tournament was Hamilton versus St. John. The Sea Dogs got the better of you guys 5-3 on that night. What takeaways do you take from that game, and how can that game help you tonight? Uh, I, I, there's not a lot we can take. I, I think our, our players... 
they didn't see the best version of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, you know, we come into town on a pretty quick turnaround after winning the championship. Uh, didn't have much quality practice time. The guys had a couple days off. Uh, we looked tired in that game. Uh, a lot of the structure that we normally have wasn't there. Um, so, you know, we we, show, we, t- we went over a lot of video before the next game about where we could be better, and, and you know, it wasn't pretty. Uh, but I think the positive we could take out of that is, is uh, you know, it was a one-goal game until the empty netter, uh, and they still didn't see anywhere near the best version of the Hamilton Bulldogs, uh, which they're going to see tonight. So uh, that's the positive we're going to take out of that. But we, we've done a lot of preparation video uh, from the other games that they played, and our guys are – ready to go they understand what we need to do and uh we're excited to drop the puck bulldogs have played three teams at this tournament that you've never seen before it's been played in a new rink that you've never been in uh, there's a host of new officials you got to deal with as well can you say that this team has grown over the last nine days uh we've grown all year um you know there's uh it, it's been a fun experience it's been a, a great experience for these kids to get all you know together here for uh, almost two weeks and, and do some things away from the ice, do some special things on the ice, um, you know, adversity and, and some of the injuries, injuries we've been through. And, and uh, yeah, it's, been, it's just been a great experience for all of them. And I think as each day's went on, they've got more and more comfortable with, you know, all those different variables and, and the, our game's been getting better and better. And uh, like I said, we're excited to get it going tonight. Got another minute with Jay McKee, the head coach of the Hamilton Bulldogs. They're taking on host St. John in tonight's Memorial Cup final. Have you thought about what winning the Memorial Cup might feel like and what it would mean for the franchise and the city? Uh, I, I haven't put a lot of time into thinking that far ahead. Um, you know, Every day here we've been focused on the next game, the next game, and, and uh, uh, that's just not in my makeup to get ahead of myself. So. Um, obviously, as we discussed, it it would be amazing, um, going to be amazing, um, you know. But uh, we we don't look that far ahead. We just focus on what we need to do in the moment and uh, and during that day and that shift and that period. And and uh, when we get there, we can talk about it. Well, we wish you nothing but the best of luck tonight, Jay. Uh, good luck to you and the lads. And it would be fantastic if another trophy another trophy came to Hamilton once again, courtesy of this hockey team. Good luck tonight. Okay, thanks for your time. That is Jay McKee, head coach of the Hamilton Bulldogs. It is the Bulldogs and the host St. John Sea Dogs tonight in the Memorial Cup Final out in New Brunswick. Uh, the winner will obviously hoist the cup tonight and celebrate a um, national championship. It's only happened twice in Hamilton's history, 1962 and 1976 with the Red Wings and Finn Cups, respectively. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. This is a really, really cool story. And it's happening right here in Hamilton. There's some amazing things happening in this city. Hamilton Health Science is now offering real-time updates directly from the operating room. So picture this. You're in, you're in the waiting room. You have a son or a daughter or a spouse, a significant other, a family member, a loved one who's undergoing surgery, some kind of procedure. And you, you know going in, this is going to be maybe an all-day affair, several hours in the OR for your loved one. And, well, instead of pacing around and wondering and sweating and thinking what's going on, you're getting these continuous updates from the OR. Dave McKegg is an executive VP of Corporate Affairs at Hamilton Health Sciences and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Dave, good morning. How are you? 
Hey, good morning, Rick. I'm very well, and thanks for having me on the show this morning. Yeah, from what I understand, this system is called Visit Messaging. How does it work? Yeah, it, I mean, you've pretty much described it quite well. It's, uh, you know, what's uh, um, sort of internally or in the application side of things, we call it OR text messaging. And uh, when a patient is registered for their uh, surgery, they are asked if they would like a caregiver to receive uh, real-time updates on that surgery. So, um, what it is is the message is aligned with what uh, we call the phases of care. So as the patient goes into the OR suite or as the patient comes out into the PACU, the post-anesthesia care unit for recovery, those kinds of messages would go automatically. And also, depending on the length of the surgery, that kind of thing, the nurse also has the option to send other updates real-time through uh, text messaging. So, you know, no no longer having to sit and wait and wonder when the uh, when the surgeon might come out and speak to the family members as to how things are going or how it went and, and afraid to, you know, go get a coffee or something, they can uh, be rest assured that uh, they will get the notification and be in the right place in the right time for that information. So it's, uh, yeah, I have to say it's pretty cool. So are these messages kind of predetermined or preset and the nurse or some individual just kind of presses a button to say, all right, we're at this stage and this is happening now? Yeah, it's uh, for some of those updates. It is exactly that. So, as as a patient would, as an example, move into the into the operating room, uh, the OR suite um, in the system, the, that patient status would be updated just as part of their care pathway, and uh, an automatic message would then go to the uh, to the loved one saying, "Oh, patient is here now." So, um, it's largely automated and follows. Uh, pardon me, automated and follows the patient. Uh, but as I said, then they can also get some uh, real-time updates from the nurse if uh, there's something to uh, share along the way. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Dave McKeg, Executive Vice President Corporate Affairs at Hamilton Health Sciences, talking about this uh, cool new real-time update system that has uh, been developed or being implemented at HHS. Why has this been implemented? Was there a great need to do so? Uh, well, you know, it's just one of the many features that we're really pleased that uh, comes along with and we were able to uh, implement um, along with a, a whole new hospital information system that was just uh, implemented and went live on June 4th. So um, you know, one of the other features as an example is called MyChart, where uh, patients have the opportunity to download an app, go through a registration process, and they'd be able to communicate with uh, Hamilton Health Sciences physicians, receive their own, uh, their own information in terms of uh, test results or lab results, etc., um, see their appointments that are coming up, even schedule appointments. So another um, very cool way that we're moving forward and able to communicate with uh, our patients in our community on a whole on a, on a whole new level. For those who are not friendly with technology uh, or don't see a need for it, uh, there's still going to be that one-to-one touch point with uh, a nurse or a doctor as well. Oh, of course. This is all technology that enables better communication, but it doesn't replace that uh, good old-fashioned conversation, and uh, whether that's that registration or, of course, with the caregiver, um, it's uh, um, just one more way that we can get information to people in real time. What kind of feedback have you received from patients or even their loved ones who have benefited from this new system? Yeah, so far, very, very positive. So the OR text messaging is uh, is getting some, uh, by all accounts, is getting some great adoption, particularly at uh, McMaster Children's Hospital, as you might expect. Uh, and the MyChart, uh, having thousands of people register already for MyChart and uh, getting some very positive feedback. And especially also, again, at McMaster, as you can imagine, parents have the opportunity to access information about their child, uh, a child's record, their child's 
um, you know, as they move through the healthcare system. And, and some children have a lot of interaction with McMaster, so it's a great way to have information available without carrying around a binder, has been some of the feedback. So, uh, yeah, very, very positive. Are there any fears about liability? You know, a loved one in the waiting room is getting messages that, you know, the patient's doing well, but then it doesn't end well. Is that has that been discussed, or what's the plan regarding that? Yeah, I think if, like anything, you know, there's, there's, I guess there's never guarantees in life, but uh, I think sharing information is only a good thing. And if uh, for some reason that information needs to be changed, then then that would be done. So, and you know, our staff are some of the some of the best in the world in terms of uh, not only clinical care but uh, just uh, giving care and able to uh, give messages to to people that they need to know in in a very uh, sympathetic, empathetic way. So. Uh, no, I don't think that's something that's on our radar as being a big concern. Yeah, Dave. Any other hospitals doing this outside the city? Is this a, is this a first in Hamilton? You know, I haven't actually heard of other hospitals doing the OR text messaging in the region. Um, we're not the first to go live on this uh, this huge uh, uh, hospital information system. It's called Epic. Um, you know, there are other hospitals around. St. Joe's Hamilton is actually also on Epic, but. Um, I'm sure as these features become uh, available and uh, others learn on how good they are, uh, you know, more and more people I'm expecting, more and more hospitals I'm expecting will enable these kinds of real-time updates. Yeah, it's pretty cool, Dave. Appreciate the time. Uh, Best of luck with this system going forward. Thanks so much, Rick. And again, thanks for having us and uh, hearing a little bit more about what we're doing at Hamilton Health Sciences. You got it. Dave McKaig is an executive VP Corporate Affairs at Hamilton Health Sciences. The next time you're in a local hospital, you will be sure to benefit, I'm sure, from this visit messaging system. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Looking for a way to beat those sky-high gas prices? Well, there's a new bus service that can bring you from Hamilton to Toronto and back for 20 bucks. That's a pretty good deal. It's called Flixbus, and the managing director for Flixbus North America is Pierre Gordet, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Pierre, how are you? I'm great. It's a, it's a, it's a great day. Today, for the first time, we will have a Flixbus, a green Flixbus, rolling into Hamilton. We, we hope it's the start of a big love story. Yeah, tell us about this company, how it works, and and how you move people around. So uh, Flix started about 10 years ago in in Germany, when the long-distance bus market opened there, a bit like in Ontario last year. And uh, since then, we we just went from success to success, I guess is the way to put it. Uh, You now have Flix bus in more than than 40 countries. Uh, So it's, uh, it's the largest... Um, international bus brand in the world. It's uh, you, you have fixed buses running in uh, in Portugal, in the UK, in most of Europe. Uh, up until uh, we have now, still even now, fixed buses running in the Ukraine and uh, also in North America since 2016. We, we are in 30 states in the US and now in two states in the beautiful uh, country of Canada since. April with our Toronto launch. And now we are so excited because we can finally go live in, in Hamilton. We will connect Hamilton. Our stop is on the McMaster University and the bus will go to London twice a day, but also to Toronto once a day. Yeah, and the line, or at least the connection, goes from London all the way to Ottawa, because we know that Toronto and Ottawa are all so connected uh, on this exactly. service. How does this differ from Go Bus or even Go Train, which is what we have here in Ontario? We think Flix is a, 
we don't we don't come in to to steal anyone's uh, passengers our main competitor is really the the car the and and our target is to take ontarians out of their cars and convince them that it's less stressful but also economically the right choice and also ecologically the right choice to to take the bus the it's very 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 simple to book a flexible ticket you can book it on your app you can track your bus uh, it's also connected right of course you have wi-fi on the bus everywhere and it's uh finally it's a very competitive price and uh, the price is really a product of our business model flex as a company does not operate the bus we always work with and select the best local operators so you are in on that route you will be working with a ontarian company who has been running buses in in the province for for many years now and who is very experienced so you have the benefits of a global brand but also of a local operator our guest on good morning hamilton on 900 chbl is pierre gordan the managing director of flixbus north america which is launching its service here on canada day that uh, will benefit many hamilton commuters you mentioned cost what is the cost of a trip from hamilton to toronto and and uh, and return from toronto to hamilton um it's about ten dollars 9.99 um one direction 20 dollars uh, if you want to go back and forth and the ticket to London is up starting at the same price. We and Ottawa will be will be a bit more expensive. We will also have connections going as far as New York and other even cities in the in the in the northeast in the northeast of uh, of the US. Ottawa ticket starts at sixty dollars. It's very competitive because also you have no uh, parking to pay. Uh, it's uh, it's really and it will always remain the cheapest way. To go to to go places in Ontario by Flixbus, there is there, there will never be a more, a more cheap way to to travel in the in the province. The uh, you mentioned the border. Are are there any cross border issues that you have to keep in mind in terms of uh, you know bringing a bunch of travelers over the border? So as you know, uh, when you cross the border to the U.S., you don't have to um, do a test anymore. Uh, so now it's uh, it's the borders open both directions. The the thing you still need to take, of course, is and we really try to have the driver remind everyone in the bus is you need a pa- you need a valid Canadian passport, of course, or passport from the country you're coming from, and it needs to be uh, to be allowed to enter. Uh, you need to be allowed to enter in the U.S. It's not the driver's job to check that you have the right papers. So we we've had some passengers who have had the bad surprise to see at the border that maybe the date of the passport is. It's not the right one anymore, or that you can't just cross with a driving license, uh, or, or things like that. So we, we try to remind all our passengers to to be mindful of that. But there is a bit of a wait, but it has been really uh, it has been uh, going since April without a glitch, mostly. Any plans to expand across Ontario to more cities, perhaps Windsor, maybe Northern Ontario, other cities across the province? Yeah, we are looking at we are looking at Windsor. It will be our next launch. We don't have a date yet. We are also looking at, um, you, you mentioned cross-border. We are looking to have a Toronto to Chicago route, um, as well as uh, more volume on our existing routes, especially especially Ota- uh, Ottawa and Niagara Falls. And we would like also to launch uh, Toronto to Boston route. All, all these cities obviously will be connected to, to Hamilton and to and to London, so it will make um, it will make an even more connected 
network. And then finally, we are speaking with some existing operators to maybe distribute their tickets as well. It's a new way to get around. It might be a very uh, much more affordable option seeing the gas prices where they are. Pierre, thanks for your time. Good luck going forward. Thank you so much. Happy Canada Day, everyone. That is Pierre Gordan, Managing Director, Flixbus North America. Just Google Flixbus and uh, you, too, can be traveling from Hamilton to Toronto in the comfort of a comfy bus, stress-free, not worrying about gas prices or traffic. Uh, Well, you might worry about traffic if there's still gridlock, which there will be. Aside from that, you'll be saving a lot of money, I'm sure. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Ontario's minimum wage right now is $15 an hour. If you have a child or a grandchild earning that, you know it is a struggle. Well, imagine an individual earning that wage and being on their own, having to pay rent and utilities and all the other expenses that life brings. Well, it's soon going to be $18.90 for employees within the city of St. Catharines. That's because that city is set to become the largest living wage employer in Ontario. Craig Pickthorne is a communications coordinator with the Ontario Living Wage Network and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Craig, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, Apart from the difference in the dollar figure, what is the big difference between the minimum wage and a living wage? Sure. So the living wage is actually a calculation that we run every year. So we look at all the major expenses that a worker would have to cover. Uh, You know, obviously the largest one is always shelter, but then we have transportation, uh, food and childcare. Then we also look at things that I think we can all agree upon are important as well. So high-speed internet access, a mobile uh, phone plan, you know, clothing. Then we factor in um, any applicable government taxes, transfers, or benefits. And what we get in, in the end is an hourly wage that a worker must earn in order to make ends meet where they live. Yeah, and that, that differs from city to city. Someone in Hamilton might get a certain dollar figure. That'll be different compared to a place yeah. like Toronto or a place like Windsor or Ottawa, whatever the case is. That's right. We have 27 local calculations as we stand right now. And where I'm speaking to right now is uh, $17.20, which is still $2.20 short of, of the, you know, making ends meet if you're earning a uh, minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So how did this happen in St. Catharines? What was the thrust behind this move? Yeah, there's been local advocates on the ground, the Niagara Poverty Reduction Network and others who have been uh, asking the city, pushing them to look at um, becoming a certified living wage employer. It culminated uh, in a way in 2019 when city staff were directed to make a report uh, looking at the impacts. Even though there's increased costs, they still, in the end, recommended certification. And then in 2021, in the midst of a global pandemic, congratulations to uh, council and Mayor Walter Sednick, because the motion passed unanimously in 2021 to enter the program. And what I want to say about the program real brief is that um, unlike some other cities, they didn't only look at just becoming certified right away. They did so in- incrementally, which is totally apl- you know, possible with us. So all full-time staff obviously make a, a living wage. Part-time staff need to, some part-time staff need to be brought up. But by 2024, even indirect and contract staff will be earning a living wage. And this is major because th- those are the, you know, the cleaners, the security guards, the crossing guards, the park workers. They deserve to make uh, ends meet if they work to make our cities livable. And that's something that 
the council in St. Catharines recognized. So now that a city the size of St. Catharines has gone down this route, could it be the trigger or the launching pad for other cities of similar, even greater size to say, we got to do this too? Yeah, we certainly hope so. And, and you know, St. Catharines is really the second largest city in, in Canada to to certify, second only to Vancouver, which is the largest. Uh, so we currently have uh, other uh, municipalities in Ontario, like North Perth, Huron, Kingston, County of Prince Edward. So we're hoping there's uh, there's a few more in the pipeline as well. So we're hoping that it's going to be a trend. You mentioned Vancouver. That is a pretty big city, and I would I would suggest that that certainly should have set a precedent for other large cities as well. When it comes to our local listeners here in Hamilton, um, is this city any closer to establishing a living wage for employees? Well, I think the what we see is is the especially as the we come out of this pandemic, that when we talk about low-waged work, uh, almost always I get a call or we get a call to talk about the difference between minimum wage and a living wage. And I think Hamilton, like many other cities, uh, will be looking at that in the future. I mean, you know, the, it has been a process in Hamilton, that's for sure. And there's lots of, you know, people, great people that are, are compelling counsel to take a look and not get hung up on what a student makes and what, what bills they have to pay. We know this is an irrefutable fact that uh, only one in four workers are that earn minimum wage are students under the age of 20. So 75% have bills to pay. They're earning minimum wage. They have families to support, and that's a fact. And it's not just municipal governments who should be implementing a living wage. Other businesses have also done so as well. We've got about a minute to discuss this. What impact have we seen from those businesses who are offering a living wage? Yeah, so great. We it's a good question because we we ask an open ended question to uh, certified living wage employers every year when they renew. What have you What have you noticed? Uh, have you noticed any benefits? What are the the things that you've noticed? And open endedly, they almost always say, "Well, I, we have lower turnover. We have uh, lower training costs, lower recruitment costs. We have better productivity. We uh, have a seem to enjoy a better standing in the community when people know that we're not." holding people in working poverty. There's no place in the province where we calculate a living wage and it's even close to a minimum wage. So those are some of the things that our employers report. We have almost 500 at the moment. Wow. Sounds like a win, 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 win for all, including businesses and most importantly, employees. Craig, appreciate your time today. Thanks for doing what you're doing and we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you, Rick. That's Craig Pickthorne. He's a communications coordinator with the Ontario Living Wage Network. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We need worldwide effort to invest in transformative clean energy projects to ensure the critical infrastructure is resilient to changing climate. That is U.S. President Joe Biden at uh, the G7 summit saying that uh, this group of seven nations have agreed to explore more environmental ways to access energy resources. On that front, Hamilton hosting a virtual public consultation meeting tonight in an effort to gather feedback on its draft community energy and emissions plan. Here to talk about it is Tremor Imhoff, the senior project manager and leads the air quality and climate change team with the city of Hamilton. Trevor, good morning. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton. Morning, Rick. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. What, what's going on tonight? What's going to be discussed? Yeah, so uh, this evening, uh, starting at 6 p.m., will be a virtual uh, public information center where we will where we'll be presenting the next Hamilton's Climate Change Action Strategy. And that's comprised of two very important pieces of work. And you mentioned the first, the Community Energy and Emissions Plan. And that's 
that's the tr- transformative actions that the city of Hamilton, as well as the entire community, can take to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, uh, become more energy efficient, develop clean energy, uh, to transition to a prosperous, low-carbon, zero community uh, by 2050. And, and we do have an interim target of 50% greenhouse gas emission reductions by 2030 there. The other important piece of, of work is uh, the Climate Change Impact Adaptation Plan, and that's really about preparing our infrastructure, our people, our systems for the impacts. Of, uh, think about extreme weather events, the impacts of, of climate change, uh, so that we, uh, we can prepare, recover, uh, as well as uh, prevent the impacts from climate change. So where are we in this process? You mentioned 2050. That, that's, that's a long time from now. As we prepare for that, where are we on the timeline? Yeah, very good question, Rick. And, and very much uh, the city of Hamilton has had, had several uh, climate change action strategies. And so in terms of greenhouse gas emission reductions, uh, we have our corporate emissions already reduced by 43% based on a 2005 baseline. Community-wide, we're approximately, we estimate, at 34% based on our 2006 baseline. So we've been tracking and reporting greenhouse gas emissions since 2006. City Council has made some very important decisions in the past about taking climate change action. And then, of course, uh, many will know that the City Council uh, did declare a climate change emergency in 2019, which we reported back on uh, that same year with a foundational report called the Corporate Climate Change Task Force, uh, Corporate Goals and Areas of Focus, which directed every department across the city to take action on climate change. So so very much a lot of success has happened, but this is a, a, a reaffirmation that we need to take accelerated action to achieve what the global scientific community has all agreed to reach net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Trevor Imhoff is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Trevor is the senior project manager and leads the air quality and climate change team with the city of Hamilton. There's a virtual meeting going on tonight. How can people take part in that? Yeah, so check out, thanks Rick. Uh, so check out our Engage Hamilton, so engage.ca backslash climate change, and that will direct you to the registration link. Um, or feel free to uh, uh, send me an email. Uh, our email is climatechange at hamilton.ca, and we'd love to uh, talk to anyone interested in talking about climate change and to get involved. What kind of ideas or input do you expect to receive tonight? We are very much hoping to receive some input on our governance structures of how to create the Community Climate Advisory Committee, as well as very interested to hear from individuals, from organizations, on how they plan to take action on climate change and reduce their own emissions because these plans are very much not just for the city, it's for the entire community. And I guess at the end of the day, is the, the question is, are we doing enough and are we doing it quickly enough? Uh, how does our plan, or at least the vision that we have, compare to other communities? Is it aggressive? Is it cautious? How would you describe it? Uh, I would say in terms of the uh, the governance structures and the, the proposed resourcing, um, it is uh, aggressive compared to other municipalities. Um, I, I, our, our targets are on par with the, it's called the IPCC or the Internet uh, Inter, Inter, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, sorry. And, and so this is a global scientific community that says we need to reach at approximately 40 to 45% emission reductions by 2050. 
uh, sorry, by 2030, and then uh, net zero by 2050. Um, and, and so when we look at our governance structures uh, and the proposed uh, central climate office that the city is proposing, um, it, is, it is ambitious and it will take a lot of work. And we've got about 30 seconds. When do we hope to have a final plan presented to council and say, okay, this is what we got, let's move forward? Yes, yeah, so we are eyeing, and it's a very ambitious timeline, and this is why we're, we're doing a, a lot of uh, public engagement. So this virtual engagement session uh, is one of many uh, uh, external and internal consultations that we're doing uh, across the community. We've been speaking with many, many organizations uh, and institutions across Hamilton on, on figuring out how best to implement the actions proposed in the climate change action strategy. And so we're planning to bring all of that back to general issues committee on August 8th of this year. Wow. Great stuff. Trevor, appreciate your time. Good luck going forward with this plan. Great. Thank you so much, Rick. That's Trevor Imhoff, senior project manager, leading the air quality and climate change team with the city of Hamilton to participate in tonight's virtual meeting, discussing all things green in the climate action strategy that the city is developing, go online to engage.hamilton.ca and you can click on the registration link that way. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Four years after a spectacular crash that left him paralyzed from the waist down, Canadian Robert Wickens will compete in his first race in Canada this long weekend, it all happens at the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park in Bowmanville. We are joined by Robert Wickens, uh, iconic race car driver from Guelph, and Mark Wilkins, his co-driver, who happens to be from Hamilton. Robert, Mark, good morning. How are you? We're doing well, thanks. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you. How excited are you to be racing once again and racing in Canada once again? Oh, it's amazing. You know, it's been a long time since I've had a, a home race. Uh, Mark can say the same. You know, obviously, through a pandemic, we haven't been able to, the uh, IMSA series hasn't been able to come to Canada much. So it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. Mark, considering what Robert's been through, uh, such an incredible inspiration. How cool is it to be his teammate? Yeah, I, I mean, it's amazing. I've always watched Robert through his career, um, DTM, IndyCar, and, uh, you know, Robert and I have known each other for quite a long time, but we've never really raced against each other. And, and you know, now we have an opportunity to race alongside each other. And, and it's just an incredible opportunity. And he just pushes me super hard. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. And in front of the Canadian fans here, just really excited to get back to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. And, Robert, how, what's Mark like as a teammate? He's just a – Mark's just a class act. You know, he's been – he's kind of the – foothold of the Brian Herta Autosport Hyundai program here in the, in the uh, IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. You know, he's been a part of Hyundai since the beginning of Brian Herta Autosport, and he's really the, the benchmark driver within the team. So to have him right alongside me is, I couldn't ask for a better teammate. Robert, he's always it always keeps me honest, and uh, yeah, it's a good working relationship. Yeah, years after your crash, Robert, what was it like getting back in the race car? Was it scary, or was it the complete opposite? No, it, it's like riding a bike, but it's a, a bike you've never ridden before. <laughs> this is kind of the best way to describe it. You know how to do it, but just trying to figure out how what, how to control it. So it um, there was no fear. There was no scariness. You know, I think it helps when you don't remember the accident, but... Um, 
No, I mean, honestly, it was um, when you start racing at seven years old in go-karts and it's motorsport has been your whole life. You know, you just want to get back to it as soon as you can. I'm sure you've seen video of the crash. Uh, too many times, yeah. <laughs> what goes through your mind? Honestly, different things each time. I know the first time I saw it, I was in the hospital bed, you know, basically body cast. And um, I was expecting it to look worse than it, than it did. You know, maybe it lasts longer. I don't know what it was, but it was just when uh, when it was all said and done, I was just like, it didn't seem that bad. And look at me. And, you know, motorsport's a crazy thing. And sometimes the spectacular accidents um, often are not the most severe because of the way the energy uh, is distributed throughout the accident. Um, where in my case, it was quite an abrupt stop um, and then followed by some spinning afterwards. But it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely, uh, I don't I uh, have different feelings each time about it. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Guelph race car driver Robert Wickens, and from Hamilton, Mark Wilkins, his teammate and co-driver. They're participating at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park in Bowmanville this weekend for the latest sports car championship series event. Uh, Mark, what's the season been like thus far, and how excited are you to get going here in Bowmanville? Yeah, you know, the, the season started off uh, really well. I mean, um, first race of the season at Daytona, we podiumed. Um, it was kind of a, it was a tough race, but, uh, you know, a solid four hour one for us to sort of kick off the program. And, you know, from there, we've had a little bit of adversity, to be honest, uh, we had some tough races and we've shown great pace at every race this year, um, and in testing, and we just hadn't been able to put it together. And we finally were able to do that this past weekend at Watkins Glen. Uh, we really had a dream weekend. Um, Robert qualified uh, P3. Uh, but had fantastic pace and, and pulled out a huge lead in the race uh, in his stint. So he kind of made my job a little bit easier, to be honest, uh, handing the car over in first place. And so my job was just to retain that, um, which we were able to do. Uh, we had a, 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 one of the other competitor cars sort of charging hard towards the end. Uh, we, we managed to hold them off and, uh, and took the victory. So um, it's been kind of a bit of a mixed season, um, but now I think we have a bit of momentum on our side, and, and this is where we expect to be at the top end of the grid, and we're looking forward to continuing that this weekend uh, at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Well, let's hope uh, many more checkered flags are on the horizon for you two both. Robert and Mark, thanks for joining us today. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. That's Robert Wickens and Mark Wilkins, two race car drivers, Robert from Guelph, Mark from Hamilton, who are competing in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park in Bowmanville. Should be a great racing weekend. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Podcast and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.